What's up everybody, welcome to my not-so-humble opinion. Today, I have a very thought-provoking topic for you guys. So, in regards to the Second World War, right, right, we're always told that, you know, the Allies fought for freedom, they fought to protect us from Nazi tyranny and protect Europe from Nazi tyranny and defend, and they fought for, you know, fought for freedom and all kinds of, which I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that, but I think that's an oversimplification of the conflict, but anyway, you know, if a lot of these soldiers were alive today, you know, the Allied soldiers, Americans, British, etc., were alive today, and, I mean, I know some of them are still alive today, but, you know, the ones who died in combat, basically, if they were alive today, and they saw how their societies were, that, you know, the societies they fought for, if they saw what they were like today, they would be very appalled at what they saw. Now, what do I mean by that? So, basically, my argument is right here that we are not any more free today than people were back during that time. So, unfortunately, and like I don't get any pleasure in saying this, I think that a lot of the Allied soldiers who died during the Second World War basically died for nothing. And again, they will be appalled at what they saw today, alright? So let me start off with, you know, literal freedom, you know, civil liberties, personal freedom, things like that, alright? So, I'm gonna, a lot of this is gonna be, you know, US-centric, since, you know, I'm an American, I live in the United States, so a lot of this is gonna be relevant in an American context, right? So let's start off with the Patriot Act. Now, I know the Patriot Act is not the first, you know, government surveil, you know, first bill that basically facilitates government surveillance. Government surveillance has been a thing in America for a very long time. And this whole notion of America being some libertarian paradise up until very recently is not, I don't, I don't, I don't really buy into that. But still, we, compared to other countries, we have been a lot more, we've been a lot more free than a lot of other countries, alright? But anyway, that, that, another topic for another podcast. Anyway, uh. The Patriot Act really got the ball rolling in terms of government surveillance and really made government surveil really gave the government a rubber stamp in terms of government surveillance. Now, a lot of that too is also because of, you know, technological advancement which gave the government more avenues to spy on us and more um and and more sophisticated methods of of government espionage basically were developed during this time. Or, you know, after, you know, the Patriot because of techno technological advancement. But for those, for the non-Americans listening to this, all right, the Patriot Act was signed by President George W. Bush after, you know, the 9-11 attacks. And it basically gave the government carte blanche to, you know, spy, to spy on us through, through our electronics and all sorts of other things. Now, again, it wasn't the first you know, government's, you know, law or bill that facilitated government surveillance again government surveillance has been a thing for at least a century here in the united states but it really got the ball rolling and government surveillance really took off after that this is another thing i want to get into uh fisa courts now again for non-americans listening and those who don't know fisa courts are the are very secretive courts here in the united states that approve uh that approve surveillance warrants you know wiretapping warrants and all that but the what goes on in these courts, or these court proceedings, are not available to the general public, and only specific lawyers who are who have training to deal with to work with the federal government are allowed to be in these proceedings and see what takes place in these proceedings. All right. Now, let me talk about something something that goes on across the pond. Thankfully, because of the Constitution and you know a lot of other things, uh, this kind of stuff doesn't really happen as much here in America, or at least you know, 
you know, in the or at least the government doesn't really do it to you here in America. But anyway, I want to talk about hate speech laws in the United Kingdom. All right, I'm gonna get into a very popular example or a very uh, more notable example. Count Dankula, right? So, for those who don't know, Count Dankula was a comedian. I, I think he was a comedian, a dude on YouTube. To piss off his girlfriend, he decided to train his dog to do the Nazi salute. And, again, it's an off-color joke, but, I mean, I can't really judge because I make plenty of off-color jokes, but, I mean, it was, I mean, I, I personally thought it was kind of funny, but the guy actually faced all kinds of legal trouble because of that. And there's another instance where um, some teenagers, they, they made a video um, remembering their dead friend. I believe this is how the story went. They were remembering their dead friend, and they were listening to a Snoop Dogg song, and Snoop Dogg said nigga in the song. And I guess the authorities saw that, and they faced legal trouble for that, or for hate speech, because, you know, they heard the word nigga in the song. It, it, and I'm sure you can get, you guys can go look up the story. I, I, I'll have um, all the sources for this provided in the description, but... You guys can go read about this story yourselves. Look, the soldiers who fought in the Second World War, especially the British soldiers, did not die for this shit. Now, speaking, now, going back to the United States, although, you know, this kind of applies in other countries too, but this is especially true in the United States. Private companies like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc., they have the power to take away your free speech, basically, just for having offensive content. Now, I know some of you are going to argue, well, they're a private company. They can do whatever they want. Listen, uh, Molyneux provided a very good uh, very good example to, to uh, or a very very good counter-argument for this. So, let's say you move to a neighborhood, right? In a, you know, in an anarcho-capitalist society. Let's say you move to a certain neighborhood. And... Um, there, there's no explicit. There, there are no explicit or implicit uh, policies in that neighborhood against, you know, um, libertarian signs, for example, or things like that. But um, everyone has communist signs, or you know, communist or signs displaying communist imagery on their yards. And you have a libertarian sign, but everyone, but the uh, people in charge of the neighborhood, fine you, or basically go after you for having a libertarian sign when there's no policies or or um, anything like that that specifically banned libertarian signs or libertarian imagery. Now, it would be one thing if the neighborhood explicitly said, hey, this is a communist neighborhood, um, only communists are allowed here, only communist imagery is allowed here. That would be one thing, but if there are no if there are no policies banning or policies or anything banning libertarian imagery or only allowing communist imagery then that's something totally different. This whole thing about, oh, they're a private company and they're just taking down, you know, offensive speech. Well, there are plenty of people out here like um, Sarah Jung, for example. She was a journalist for the New York Times tweeting all kinds of fucked up shit about white people, about enslaving white people and killing white people. And nothing happened to her, I don't think. As far as I know, nothing... She she never had any of her content banned. And, oh yeah, this uh, this is related to this. There was a Twitter account called Blue uh, Blue Checkwatch, and they got deplatformed too eventually. But Blue Checkwatch basically retweeted or republished tweets, offensive tweets from people with blue checks. You know, prominent figures like journalists and you know people in high up places in you know media and other and. You know, public figures, basically. High up public figures, basically. And basically demonstrating that a lot of these people, you know, weren't getting into trouble or losing their blue checks because they were publishing these offensive tweets. 
but meanwhile anyone who's vaguely right of center has to catch hell for these things. And listen, this some people I've heard some I've heard some YouTubers calling for an internet bill of rights because you know the government because they think that private companies should not have the power to you know to deplatform you like this and take away your free speech like this. Which I mean I kind of agree. And you know what, Silicon Valley, a lot of these tech companies have, generate more revenue than actual countries. All right. So I mean, in a sense, this is something I I, I sort of I mean I sort of see like I sort of see the other side of this, but I don't agree with this because I think a lot of the government violates your right your rights more than anybody else. I'm going to get into this in another I'm going to have another episode purely about authoritarianism, all right? I'm going to get into really delve into it, but I don't think an internet bill of rights is really going to solve that or is really going to solve that issue. But in terms of, you know, personal freedom, I mean, hey, the war on drugs is another example. Something that started here in the United States after, you know, a few decades after World War II. Now, Cannabis, you know, marijuana had had been regulated and regulated relatively lightly compared to today. But, you know, there were laws on the books that you know regulated cannabis and other drugs, but nothing compared to the war on drugs today. And this is basically the government telling you, oh, you can have these drugs in your body, you can put this in your body, but you can't put that in your body. And that doesn't sound a whole lot like freedom to me. And since since we're talking about incarceration. U.S. still has the uh, has the highest incarceration rate in the entire world. Even more than communist China, more than North Korea, more than a lot of these other countries. And my stepmom actually mentioned it. it might just be because, and hey, she might be right about this. It might just be because we just throw people in prison instead of throwing people in prison instead of just straight up executing them. And she says, oh, and in some regards, we're too nice to a lot of these people. And you know what? In some ways, I'm kind of inclined to agree. And hey, this is a theory that might have some merit. I don't know. I haven't, this is another thing that, you know, I haven't really done a whole lot of very deep research into, and this is something I would love to discuss in a further, discuss with you guys in a in another episode, alright? Now, this is, this is a very touchy subject that'll get the almond, the almonds jogging, alright? So, in some ways, I mean, in a lot of ways, we're less free, but in some ways, we're more free, um... So let's talk about equal rights for minorities. Now, equal rights for minorities, you know, um, like civil rights, civil rights acts, and all that that were passed out, you know, in the '60s and onward. Now, yes, it did give us equal rights on paper, but I mean, listen, minorities still deal with a lot of a lot of the same stuff that I just mentioned. All right. I mean, it's not like it's not like us being minorities suddenly like exempts us from all the other stuff. I mean, I've I've had I've heard some people claim. That, you know, that make the same claim I have that, you know, in a lot of ways we're not free, in some ways we're less free. But, I mean, still, like, sure, we may have equal rights and stuff now, but, you know, we, we still have to deal with a lot of this other stuff. And, you know, some ways, in some ways, probably even more so. But, yeah, since we're, since, uh, you know, I've, on the, on the topic of minority, I'm going to get into um, the founding stock of Western civilization being, you know, dying off. Basically, you know, white, the decline of the white population in Europe and other countries, alright? And this kind of ties into, you know, um, uh, civil rights, uh, you know, civil rights laws. Um, Affirmative action laws have basically taken away our freedom of association. Again, this this is really something that's impacted white people more than anybody else, but this is especially true for, um, 
This is also true for minorities. Um, or, yeah, it's true for minorities as well. Affirmative action laws basically say, oh, you can only hire, or a lot of these affirmative action laws say you have to hire X amount of people and people of this race at this company or you have to take in X amount of students of this race at this college or at this high school or whatever. Uh, this is something I don't agree with. This is, you know, Martin Luther King talked about judging people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. This is judging people by, you know, the color of their skin, basically. This is, this is basically, you know, this is, I don't like using it in this, I don't like saying it in this way, but this is positive discrimination, in other words. Oh, you're basically giving people, giving people a leg up, or giving the opposite group, the another group, a leg up because of their skin color. You're basically saying, oh, they're disadvantaged because of their color, so... Let, let's just give the, or let's help them and again I don't I don't want this for anybody I don't want anyone to get an unfair advantage from the government because of you know, their, their color I don't want people to to be um, suppressed or anything because of the, by the government because of their color I think I believe in free association I believe that problem should just work itself out all right so I'm gonna get into so going back across the pond for a minute the birth rates in Europe, pretty much in pretty much every European country, are below replacement rates. Now, in regards to the whole Christianity versus Islam thing, Muslims in Europe have much higher birth rates than Christians in Europe, alright? I believe, uh, from what I did manage to read, I believe the only two countries with, with birth rates that are even close to replacement rates to the proper replacement rates, and for those who don't know, that's 2.1 births, are France and Ireland. Now, I have a theory behind behind why the French birth rate is so high. I think I think a lot of that is due to the French or immigrants in France having more children than actual French people. So, let me put it to you this way: there are more Mohammeds being born in France than Pierres or Jeans, for example. All right. Now, Ireland, I'm not really sure, so I'm not really going to comment on Ireland. Now, in the United States, right? America has become increasingly diverse. A lot of y'all know this. America is one of the most diverse countries in the world, okay? I mean, white people are still the majority here, but only like only just what are we what are what are we like six or what are white people like 60 something, 62%? America's like 62% white. This now in the 1960s Whites were probably 90% of the population, and this is something else I want to get into. I want to get into the Hart Seller Act, or the 1965 Immigration Act, alright? Um, this act, uh, a lot of people, when the, when uh, this act came into, was put in place, oh, they raised concerns about the demographic shift of America and how, and, uh, you know, the decline of the white population in America. Right, rightfully so, and I think a lot of those people were right to be outraged about that, and Eventually, it just went from, I feel it went from, oh, well, you know, the demographics are not going to change significantly to, oh, what are you, oh, what, well, we need these people to do jobs we don't want to do, and, you know, it's basically, the, the goalposts are moving continuously because, or, you know, the issues, the goalposts are keep moving, basically. And like I said, we can, I'm going to have another episode purely about diversity and how, and, you know, positive and negative effects of diversity and, you know, in-group preference and all kinds of other stuff. I'm going to have another episode purely about race relations, okay? Or, I have several episodes about race relations. But, I mean, and, you know, we can argue all day about whether diversity is good or bad, but, I mean, 
I don't think a lot of the I don't think the average white American soldier during World War II would have you know pictured America being as diverse as it is. All right. Now on that topic. The average American soldier during World War II probably would have supported policies that make Donald Trump look like Justin Trudeau or Angela Merkel, okay? And let me let me use a somewhat relevant example from Britain, alright? Now, I mean I know we're not talking about the same country here, but hey Britain ain't hey, nineteen sixties Britain ain't radi- wasn't too radically different at the time, okay? So Enoch Powell Enoch Powell was a British conservative politician who made a speech in 1968 called the Rivers of Blood speech, which basically expressed concerns about the demographic shift in Europe or in Britain and, you know, concerns about current immigration rates, or the immigration rates at the time. 74% of people in the United Kingdom expressed positive views toward Enoch Powell's speech. Now, this is the 1960s when, you know, racial egalitarianism was becoming more of a thing, okay? So just imagine what it would have been during the 40s, for example, you know, during World War II. Now, this is another thing, this is one thing that really grinds my gears. When people claim that, oh, Trump was elected because of white racism and white outrage about possibly becoming a minority, listen, there's some, here's something you don't understand. Uh, Pew Research actually released um, some statistics, I believe it was from... They were published a few months ago, you know, earlier in 2019. Most whites, according to this survey, don't really think about race or see race. Whites are the most racially tolerant and most racially altruistic in America compared to other races. And this was, uh, there was a Washington Post article from 2013. And it was a map of the the most and least racially tolerant countries out there. And you know, America, Western Europe, you know, the majority white countries are some of the most tolerant, and I believe India was the most racially intolerant country on the map. Now, this is something else I want to get into. Um, colonialism, okay? Now, colonialism, again, we can argue about whether it's good or bad, or, you know, we can argue about, we can argue about it all day. But I always hear leftists talk about, oh, colonialism was bad because, you know, foreigners or white people came in and conquered other people and told them how to live and how to do this and ruled over them. And, you know, I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm not going to lie. I'm almost inclined to be, uh, inclined to be one of these, you know, anti-colonialist, anti-imperialists out here. I mean, I'm not. Or, I mean, not in the, not in like a, you know, a leftist sense, but I mean, if you really want to think about it. Colonialism, in a sense, did more harm for Europeans in the long term than, you know, benefited Europe. And listen, I would, al- I would almost sympathize with, you know, these leftist point of view about colonialism and imperialism and all that. If they didn't then say, oh, Europe needs to be more diverse. These white countries need to be more diverse. Which just makes them huge hypocrites. But I'm sure a lot of you guys knowing this knows that, know that, you know, people on the left are hypocrites anyways. But anyway... And in another, in another, another way, we can see leftist hypocrisies in you know the way that that white people are taught are discussed in the media and everything, um, or you know things that are statements or yeah statements and the just the way white folks are discussed in the media nowadays that wouldn't fly with black people that wouldn't fly with Hispanics it wouldn't fly with Asians okay like I remember. Uh, I know it's kind of an old example, but Jamie Foxx, when at the 
at one of these you know, award ceremonies or award shows or whatever, during Django Unchained or during the filming of Django Unchained, he was going on about, oh, oh yeah, man, I was killing all them white people, man. Now imagine if um some white Southern actor, right, was going on about, oh, yeah, man, I was killing all them black dudes, man. Just imagine the outrage that we would see if, just imagine all the outrage we would see if the if the shoe was on the other foot, right? Now, I'm gonna use a more uh, more recent uh, a more recent relevant example, Ilan Omar, okay, the Muslim congresswoman from Minnesota. She's made all sorts of anti-Semitic comments, you know, you know, negative comments about Jews. She's made all all sorts of negative comments about American soldiers saying, oh well. You know, America killed all thousands of innocent Somalis during uh, the battle in Mogadishu and, you know, the operations in Somalia and everything. I mean, now, imagine a white Republican congressman from West Virginia, right? And he was ranting about them damn Jews, right? Imagine the outrage we would see. This is, this is something I can, this is something I will talk about in depth. On another podcast, but for right now, this is this is all I got time for. This is, but again, y'all know this. A lot of y'all listening to this know this that leftists are just a bunch of anti-white hypocrites. A lot of them, and you know, <laughs> um, I saw a meme. the The meme said, uh, "There's a picture." The caption said, "How white people view themselves," and it, it's a screenshot of Peter Peter Griffin from Family Guy. It was a screenshot from the episode where the world was ending, right? And he uh, he said, hey, I'm going to go into the black neighborhood and say the N-word. And then he comes back with a, a sash that says King of the Blacks and like a crown and a scepter. And he says, they respected me. It's a screenshot from him wearing the sash and the crown and all that. I, I thought that was like perfect. That's the perfect word for white liberal ethnomasochist. Or that's the perfect meme for white liberal ethnomasochist, okay? Now, listen... The demographic decline of white people in Europe and the United States and other places is a valid issue. And the way the media covers it, or lack of media coverage, is a valid issue. But I feel like a lot of people who do discuss this issue, and a lot of people who do actually touch on this are a bunch of racist assholes. Not everybody, obviously. Again, it's a valid issue that needs to be discussed. It's not getting enough attention. But so many of these people are, you know, actual white supremacists and actual neo-Nazis, okay? Now listen... I'm not calling for anyone to be deplatformed, or I'm not calling for violence, okay? If they look, if they want to talk about how good Hitler is and everything, that's their right, okay? I'm a free speech absolutist, all right. But again, why do so many of y'all who express concern about this have to be like actual shitty people about it, like, right? Why? It doesn't. It doesn't help your cause. It doesn't make you guys look any better. Um, so yeah, that's another something else, man, that, that it really, but yeah, it's, um, now I'm going to go back to Europe for a minute. Terrorism in Europe. If these soldiers who fought during the second world war saw what Europe was like today, they probably would have marched against their own governments instead of marched against the Germans. Okay. Now, Mama Merkel herself has admitted that no-go zones are a thing. Okay. There are officials in the German government, high up officials in the German government, who admit that, you know, since 2015 when, you know, the refugee crisis really took off, that, you know, crime and just the general 
public order in many, in Germany. In Germany, for example, has declined and has taken a turn for the worse. And it's sad. It's sad. You know, I'm sure you guys have seen the memes of, of uh, I'm sure you guys know what diversity barriers are because, so basically because of all the, you know, Muslim truck attacks and everything, a lot of these European cities, like, you know, Paris, Berlin, some of these other cities have to put, um, like, stone barriers or, you know, concrete barriers to prevent trucks from, you know, rolling in and, you know, steamrolling people, running motherfuckers over. And again, it's sad, you know, just so... How far the mighty have fallen, man. It's just so sad. A lot of these, you know, once respectable societies have basically castrated themselves on the altar of, you know, racial guilt, basically. And, listen... I'm going to speak from a German context, okay? I'm not German, but I've got German friends, okay? And and listen, I've interacted with plenty of German people, but this is... this is What do Germans today have to do with the actions of the Nazis 70-plus years ago, okay? Why do Germans today have to feel ashamed for something that, you know, some of their ancestors did 70 years ago? Look, Germany has a very rich and interesting history. There's more to Germany than just the Nazis, all right? And same goes with Russia. There's more to there's more to the history of Russia than just communism. There's more to the history of the United Kingdom than just the empire or the you know the glorious British Empire. But I mean, it, it's what what do people nowadays have to do with you know the atrocities of their of the atrocities of some of their ancestors? Hell, a lot of their a lot of people today probably don't even I mean. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back go back to America for a minute. Like, for example, the whole slave thing. Only a small percentage of Americans own slaves. So what the hell do most white people nowadays have to do with, you know, slavery? Why should white people nowadays feel guilty for slavery when it's very likely when that none of their ancestors own slaves? And there's a very good it's a there's a very good likelihood that a lot of white people in America pro, a lot of their ancestors were probably, you know, slaves or in some kind of living some kind of living in some kind of oppression or something back in Europe. So why? So the next topic I want to touch on real quick is the is the uh state of the the moral state of affairs in the West. You know, the West is in a state of moral decay. I'm sure a lot of you guys who are listening to this already know this. I'm just going to touch on a few things here, okay? So, the single parenting rate in the West is up from where it used to be from in the 1970s, alright? And this is according to, you know, the, uh, the U.S. Census Bureau. Now, most children still live in um, two-parent households, thankfully. But since 1970, the... Uh, or from... Ni- or let me, let, me, uh, let me read the statistic for you guys. From between 1960 and 2016, the percentage of children... Living in with families, living in families with two parents, decreased from eighty-eight percent to sixty-nine percent. Uh, uh, now I apologize for a minute. I, I uh, confused some other. I got confused with some other statistics there. But from nineteen sixty to two thousand sixteen, the single parenting rate has gone up. And now, another thing, abortion or I'm sorry, infanticide, is now legal nationwide. Now, bef- uh, some. 
I don't know, some of y'all may know this, I don't know, but before the Roe v. Wade court decision in 1973, abortion was already legal in some states here in America, but that court, that court case or that Supreme Court decision really gave, it really gave nation, or gave it a, uh, a framework for nationwide legalization of abortion or, you know, the case for it was really made after Roe v. Wade, right? Now, that's another thing. Drug abuse and illicit drug use has gone up. Now, again, I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not a drug warrior. I'm against the war on drugs for various reasons. But that doesn't mean I believe that, you know, hard drug use, you know, meth, heroin, Cocaine, all that. I don't believe that. You know, the I don't, I don't see those things as morally acceptable. Okay. Now, soft stuff like, okay, I'm all for marijuana. Listen, I, I'm all for all drugs for all drugs being legalized, but especially marijuana. But because you know, it just has so many medical benefits, and you know, there's no re, there's just no reason. There's no good reason for somebody who for any intelligent person to be. You know, against marijuana legalization at this point. There's plenty of evidence. There's plenty of evidence and facts and statistics and all that 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 outline the positive effects of of you know moderate marijuana usage. Okay, because you know, like anything else, too much of anything's a bad thing. But there are po- you know there are numerous positive effects to you know THC slash cannabis, uh, you know CBD, you know uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so look, there's no again, there is no good reason for any for any intelligent person to be against marijuana legalization at this point, okay? Now, religiosity is another thing. The uh, religiosity or religiosity in society has gone down. Now, I'm not listen. I'm not a religious fundamentalist, as I pointed out. I'm against religious fundamentalism, but most people during World War II and you know in the immediate subsequent decades, you know, believed in something. Like, atheism and just, you know, societal secularism wasn't a huge thing back then, as it is now. Most people believed in something. And this, and this is my opinion, okay? We can get rid of Christianity all day, or talk, or, you know, talk about the merits of getting rid of Christianity all day, but something else will replace it, whether it be Islam or something or something else. Something will replace it. So, listen, you may not, listen, I, I'm not religious, very religious myself, but, I, you know, I believe in a higher power. I just don't really practice that much. But the fact of the matter is, get rid of Christianity. Something else will replace it. No matter, I mean, that's just how it's going to be. So I, I would rather just keep Christianity and have Christianity be the, you know, and not not even the state religion, but just have it be the dominant religion have it be the dominant societal force than anything else, okay? Yeah, these are just a few things, a few thoughts of mine that I had that I wanted to share with you guys, and I, and, and it's sad, really, I mean, this is, this is, this is the takeaway, this is, this is the bow on the, the Christmas package, the Christmas present, if you will. So, if you really want to honor, honor those men, Honor the brave men and women that fought to, you know, protect us from tyranny, save us from tyranny. Then, you know, fight, then be, be the change you want to see in the world, okay? Like, fight. It, it all starts with you. Be somebody that's worth fighting for. Be somebody um, that's worth saving. And 
don't be don't be part of the problem basically you know be you know i hate to use you know the i hate to use you know this example but revolt against the modern world ride the tiger okay you know don't be i'm going i'm going to put this in a christian context don't be part of the world don't be part of the world be outside of it or above it if you if you will don't be part of the problem don't um don't feed the beast, okay? Be somebody worth saving. But yeah, that's what I want to talk about with you guys. What do you guys think? Uh, hit me up in the comments. Um, you guys have or you know sub subscribe, follow me. All my social media handles are in the description below. All the sources are in the description below. If there's a topic you guys want me to discuss on this show, I'll look over it. And if it's something that I find in that I, f that I do find interesting, we're talking about. I'll talk about it on here. I'm interested to hear y'all's input. So yeah, peace guys.